Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. All right, all right, good to see you guys. Hope you had a good week this week. Glad you're here with us. We're gonna be talking over the next several weeks about the power of belief and the power of our beliefs. Uh, because beliefs really do influence us. I mean, as a kid, I held a lot of silly beliefs. These have been passed on to me by the adults in my life who lied to me. Uh, things like, if you cross your eyes, they'll get stuck that way. Right? How many of you heard this growing up, right? I remember being on the, on the playground, and there was always that kid that would do it anyway. And I was walking away. I'm like, man, when that gets stuck, I don't want to be anywhere near that. That's going to be ugly. Um, another one was, if you swallow a, a watermelon seed, it will grow inside your, your stomach. I don't know if you ever, you ever heard this. I'm, I'm thinking that's what happened. Um, another one was my grandmother. She would hold up her, her arthritic hand that was, you know, at the end of her life, pretty, her fingers were crooked and pretty gnarled from arthritis and hard work. And she would say, if you, if you crack your knuckles, this is what your hands will look like. <laughs> I was traumatized. I'm like, do not crack your knuckles. Nobody, you cannot crack your knuckles. This belief, even though I later would read that studies show there's no direct connection between popping your knuckles and arthritis, like still this belief is in me. I mean, my wife, Lori, for 26 years, since we've been married, I have been trying to get her to stop cracking her knuckles. I remember when we were dating and she's like cracking away on her knuckles. And I remember thinking, I'll take care of that. But I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna change her down the road. <laughs> the lies we tell ourselves, right? 26 years, she still pops every joint in her fingers. It drives me crazy because I've got a belief that's just in me that that's not good. You don't do that. I still see my grandmother's hand in front of me. And so beliefs have power. Some of our beliefs about God, about ourselves, about our life will help us grow spiritually. Some of our beliefs will help us become the people God ultimately created us to become. Some of those beliefs can help you be a better father, a better uh, employee, a better business owner. They can help you go further and make a greater impact with your life. But other beliefs can hold you back. Other beliefs can become self-limiting kinds of forces in your life. They can keep you from growing spiritually. They can keep you from reaching your God-given and potential. They can keep you from moving forward in the challenges that you're facing in your life. In fact, the beliefs that we hold tend to either hold us up or hold us down. And so in this teaching series, we're going to be looking to the Bible for core beliefs about God and life and faith. And I believe that what we're going to see are these beliefs can actually lift us up in our lives. And the first belief I want to talk to you about is simply this. I believe the best is yet to come. To the person next to you and say, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Now somebody right now is thinking, dude, are you watching the news? It's messy out there. It's a mess. You look at, you look at all the things that are happening in the world. How can you say the best is yet to come? Are you intoxicated? Are you Pollyanna? Do you just walk around like, everything's good? We all go right off the cliff edge. In fact, you turn the news on right now, I know our hearts are all heavy about things that are happening in Middle East and Israel and Gaza and trying to sort it out. We're praying for all of the different people involved. We recognize 
that this is an incredibly complicated situation. It's been going on for 70 years in its current incarnation, <laughs> thousands of years in another incarnation. And the one thing I think we all have to remember as we pray is when all of this is over, when it's all over, Arabs and Israelis all still have to live together. Israel isn't going away. The Palestinians aren't going away. Like when I was in Jerusalem a year ago, they're all working together side by side, Arabs, Jews. I mean, they're all like, so when it's all over, <laughs> then what happens? Now, having said all that, I, th I think it's okay. And you know, it's okay to say, hey, look, Israel has a, a right to exist and to exist peacefully. I think, it's, I think it's okay to look at the situation and say, obviously, Hamas is a terrorist organization. They've done some terrible, terrible things. I mean, when you look at Hamas, like, like their end goal, what's the end goal of Hamas? The end goal of Hamas is first kill all the Saturday people, that's the Jewish people, then kill all the Sunday people, that's the Christian people, and then Islam to rule the world. That's the end goal. So you can look at all that, and condemn that, and at the same time recognize how complicated this situation is in Palestine. Not every Arab is a terrorist, right? There are good, innocent people in Palestine, men, women, and children, caught up in all of this. They're caught up in all of it. In fact, there are Arab Christians, a small minority of Palestinian Arab Christians living in Gaza, our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's also a small minority of Messianic Jews in Israel, people who follow Jesus uh, in Israel. And what's fascinating is I was reading online how these groups, these Arab Christians and these Messianic Jews are communicating to one another in this current crisis about how better to love and serve their communities and how to point people to the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of this tragedy. And I just say all this to say, you know, it's okay to look at this situation and realize how complex it is and how layered it is and to pray for peace and to pray for God's uh, resolution in the midst of all of the stuff going on. And so um, there, are, uh, there are good people caught up in the middle of all of this. So we pray for, we pray for the Middle East. We pray for Israel. We pray for Gaza. We pray for all the things that are going on. Not only that, you look to Ukraine the continuing war going on in Ukraine. You look to Russia, you look to China, different aggression there, Iran, you know, all of the things uh, that we hear about Iran. And then you just look to our own government. My goodness, like we can't even elect a speaker of the house anymore. Like, like what exactly is happening? Our own government isn't functioning, you know? Like, like if you just looked at the news today, you would say, bro, it's clear, the worst is on the way, right? So how can you say the best is on the way? The best is yet to come. Well, it's because my belief that the best is yet to come isn't rooted in what happens in the economy or what happens in the government or what happens with the nations or what happens in the world or even what happens in my own life. My belief that the best is yet to come is rooted in who I believe the character of God is as revealed in the Bible. 
I believe fundamentally God reveals himself as good and compassionate and loving. And because of that, I have hope. Even though I may suffer, even though I may go through difficulty, even though I may go through challenges, and the Bible never says I won't. It never promises me I won't go through difficulty. But in the end, I believe God is gonna move and work through that. In fact, look at what Psalm 145 says, beginning in verse eight. When we get to the red word, say it real loud here with me. It says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing what? Love, filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Now, here's what I want you to notice. This sentence, the first sentence, is a quote from Exodus. It's the most quoted phrase, it's the most, part of the most quoted part of the Bible in the Old Testament of the Old Testament. And it's from uh, Exodus where God reveals himself to Moses. Why it's so significant is because God basically says, this is who I am in his own words. It's not other people describing God. It's not other people telling us who God is. It's God saying, this is who I am. And you know how he introduces himself to Moses? He says, I am, I am Yahweh the Lord, full of compassion and mercy. Now you would think like he's God, right? Like he could show up and be like, so first you need to understand that like I'm God and you're on a speck of dust called the Milky Way galaxy and in that speck of dust you're on a little cellular particle called Earth and then you're a little thing on it, a nano thing, and I'm God. But what he does is he says, the first thing I want you to know about me, and this is different than the other gods of the Near East. This is a radical thought. The first thing you need to understand about me. I'm not in a macho competition with the other gods. <laughs> he says, I'm compassionate. I'm merciful. And then it says, slow to anger. Did you see that? Slow to anger. I love this. Because the Hebrew language is very descriptive. And so the idea of anger could be represented by the, by the phrase hot-nosed. Okay? You, you, ever know, you ever had somebody flare their nostrils at you? You ever had your wife flare her nostrils at you? <laughs> she doesn't have to say anything, but the nostrils flare, and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. Because you don't want that wrath. The Hebrew idea of being slow to anger is this, long of nose. God is not Pinocchio, but God is long of nose. He's long-nosed. He's slow to anger, right? So yes, you read through the Old Testament of the Bible, God does get angry. God punishes sin. God judges sin. God is holy. And you read through the Bible, you'll have some moments of like, oh, whoa, dang. But understand this, the very core of who God is, God hates sin because he loves people. He hates what sin does for people. He hates what sin does in their lives. God, at his very core, who is he? Is he anger? No, he's slow to anger. At his core, who is he? He's compassionate, merciful, and filled with unfailing love. That's who God is at his core. And because of that, we can build our life on a few core beliefs. And the first belief that I think can hold us up rather than hold us back is this. I believe that God loves me. And I believe he loves you. I believe God loves me. I believe he loves you. When I was in elementary school, there was this cute girl that I saw looking at me across the playground one day, and I thought, is she looking at me? You know, like, and I tried to play it off, you know, nonchalant, and then check again, you know. Like, I think she's looking at me. She's pointing at me. They're smiling. They're giggling. I'm like, I, I think she digs my chili. You know, like, this is a thing. I did what you do in elementary school. 
I, I sent a note up the row. You know, back then, you, you wrote out a little note. It said something like, hey, do you like me? You know, I like you. You know, yes, circle yes, or no, circle no. Send it up the road. I don't know what they do today. It's probably some airdrops, probably an app, you know, like you go on an app. I don't even want to know. Is that app legal for elementary? I don't know. I sent the note up the row, and I remember, I think it was a day or two later, I heard back. I never got the note back, but it went from uh, her to her friend to my friend to me. And the answer was like, does she like me? No. Great. But it was worse than that. They were, they were actually laughing at me and pointing at me because my underwear was showing out the back of my pants. Now, if I had been born in a different generation, y'all, that would have been street cred. You know what I'm talking about? In a certain generation, it would have been like, yeah, bro, check that out. Boom. Anyway, wrong era. But I think from the time we're, we're little kids, we, we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And I think this question like, am I lovable, lives in all of us. And in many ways, you could say so much of what we do in our lives is seeking an answer to that question. It comes out in a lot of ways. You know, am I successful? Or as a kid, am I athletic? Am I, am I worthy? Am I attractive? Am I handsome? Am I muscular? Am I whatever? And the whole thing is this need down in our hearts to feel that sense of love and acceptance. Sometimes we don't feel like we got that from our parents. We don't feel like we get it at home and we start looking for it and we all know the whole idea. You're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? And we've all been through a lot of pain doing that. But I want you to know God's character fundamentally is love. And he's the one that can fill that love need that we have in our lives. Romans chapter eight, beginning of verse 31 is an interesting passage. For 20 years, we've ended our services here at Central with Romans eight thirty-one, And Paul just writes these words. He says, if God is for us, who could be against us? Let's try that again. If God is for us. Okay, you got it. And you think about that question. On the one hand, it's like, cool, yeah, that's right, God is for me, it's great. But if you think about it on the way, some of you have had this moment walking out, you're like, I don't know, it feels like a lot of things are against me, right? You know, it feels like, my, it feels like sometimes life's against me, it can feel like work's against me, it can feel like my neighbor's against me, my ex is against me. Listen, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I gotta tell you, my 49er friends were pretty hard on me last week when the 49ers destroyed the Dallas Cowboys I, I wasn't feeling the love. Sometimes you can feel like, man, everything in the world's against me. But here's what Paul's saying. Y yes, yes, things can be against you in the short term. Yes, in this life, we will face many troubles, Jesus says. But he says, you know, take heart because he has overcome the world. And the point is this. In this life, we might face some challenges, but ultimately, whether it's in this life or the next, God himself will lead us to victory. If God is for me, who can ultimately stand against me? And then the very next sentence, right after that, the next word is this, Romans chapter eight, verse 32. We'll get to the red word, say it here with me. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us what? All graciously give us all things. Now look at this. This is an argument from greater to lesser. God did the greater thing. He gave Jesus, right? If God gave Jesus, who lived and died and rose again for us, then how will he not also do the lesser thing, take care of our needs and give us what we need? 
This is an argument from greater to lesser. And the reason this logic is powerful is sometimes in my life I wonder, like, how can God love a mess like me? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like how could God, if there is a God, theoretically, how could he ever love me, right? How could he care about me? How could he care about my insignificant self? Or how could he have a plan and a purpose for me? Why would he even do that? And here's what the Bible says. Listen, because God has already done the harder thing, he gave Jesus who lived and died and rose again for you. He already did the harder thing. He's already proven his love for you. In fact, there is nothing else God needs to do to show his absolute love for you than he already did in Jesus Christ. Because he did the harder thing, you can rest in the fact that he'll do the easy thing now. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, you and I can be forgiven, be at peace with God, and be free to walk in our relationship with God. And then Paul goes on, and he says, for followers of Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Turn to the person next to you and say, nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. You know what it means? Nothing. Nothing. Look, 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 look. Paul goes on, he says, not angels, not demons, nothing in your past or your future, no power, no person, no problem will ever cancel God's love in your life. Not anger, not fear, not shame. Look, no worry, not anxiety. People can accuse you, they can abuse you, they can ignore you, they can deplore you, they can leave you, they can deceive you, but God's love for you is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, you can lose a lot of things, right? Some of you might feel like lately you're losing your mind, right? You can lose your mind, you can lose your patience, you can lose your job, your health, your stuff, your family, your mojo, your friends, you can even lose your life, but you will never lose God's love because nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what I would tell you is, as a follower of Jesus over the last 30 years, the thing that sticks out to me more than any other, the most single transformative thing in my life is growing in my understanding of God's love for me, embracing it, receiving it, even though I'm not worthy of it, and living in it. It's changed how I parent. It's changed how I pastor people. It's changed how I deal with people that attack or come at you or criticize you. It's changed how I've handled my perceived enemies. It's changed how I've dealt with conflict. <laughs> it's changed how I've prayed. Because when you allow God's love to sink into your life, that limit raises your leadership capacity. It raises your capacity as a parent. It raises your capacity as a husband and a wife. It transforms your life. So I wanna encourage you today above all else, to hang on to this. No matter how hard things are right now, no matter how crazy the news is, you can believe the best is yet to come because of all that God has done for you in Jesus, and you can believe that God loves you. All right, here's another thought. I believe God's got my back. I believe God's got my back. Um, I don't know if you've seen this out there, the sign guy. Uh, he posts different things on social media that are very annoying because life can be filled with annoying things. And so here's a few uh, sign guy slides. Um, the first one says, it's not self-checkout if I need help every time. Anybody feel this? 
That's me always. I'm like, oh man, why, why do I need help this time? All right, here's one more. Uh, second one says, how am I supposed to remember insert very long automatic password as a password? Uh, I don't know about you, but man, every time these five mile long automatic passwords come up on my computer, I'm like, no, I don't want that. No, 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 no. Because knowing my luck, as soon as I accept that, then like I'll get a new thing or a new iPad or a new phone one day and it won't transfer over. I don't trust any of it. Just saying. All right, here's the next one. Stop talking on speakerphone in public. Can I get some agreement on this? I mean, I'm on a plane last week and there's a guy sitting on the plane on the, on the, uh, before we took off and he's talking on speakerphone and I'm giving him the look, man, the like, dude, don't you know? Are you aware? Is there a brain cell in there functioning that would say, don't do this in front of everybody? Anyway, my wife does this around the house. I come in, she's got somebody on speakerphone. Do you ever feel, I always feel like, I'm invading somebody's privacy. Like, they don't know I can hear. And I'm always like, I, I don't know, I gotta get out of here. Like, this is really, they don't want the pastor to hear something that they would say. I don't want that. Anyway. <laughs> All of this to say, life is filled with challenges. Sometimes it's not the big ones, it's just the little ones all around us that can start to drive you crazy. I don't know if you've had this recently, but at our house, it's been like the mosquito apocalypse. Like, you know, it rained, and then uh, after all the rain a few weeks ago, like mosquitoes. I mean, we don't have mosquitoes in the desert, but like mosquitoes are everywhere. Man, what the heck, you know? And my wife is allergic to mosquito bites, right? So she gets bit, and then it's this big thing. It swells up. It itches like crazy. It lasts forever. And so she's walking around. We got these mosquito bites everywhere. She went on Amazon and bought this mosquito zapper, and it's now it's sitting in our house, you know? And this thing's been running for like two weeks. I went and looked. There's like one mosquito down in there. I'm like, this is the biggest ripoff I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, like she's itching, and she got all these mosquitoes. Mosquito bites is driving her crazy. I, go, I went to the gym this week and I threw, I tweaked my back. I wasn't even lifting hardly any weight. I'm hobbling around the house. She's scratching around the house. Like we're just pathetic, man. And, and we're, you know, we're, we keep laughing because look, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry, right? So, so we keep laughing and I'm like, man, Lori, just think. It's just going to get worse as we get older. This is just life in a broken, fallen world. Like, like if it's not one thing, it's another. And we're all facing different challenges, real challenges, not, not little challenges, significant challenges as well. And so how, what do we do in the midst of all of that? Well, look at what Psalm 145 says, beginning in verse 13. Check this out. It says, the Lord always keeps his promises. Remember that. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all that he does. The Lord what? Helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. He's gracious in what he does. He helps the fallen. He lifts those bent beneath heavy loads. That's what God is. Let me share with you three promises that I hang on to in my life that help me remember God has my back. The first one is simply this, that God has a purpose and a plan. Look, I don't know what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's above my pay grade. I can study biblical prophecy. I can look at the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, book of Ezekiel, and, and we can sort of take our best stab, but, but nobody's exactly sure. But here's what I do know in the details of what's happening is that God has a plan, and as I read through the Bible, that in the end, Jesus wins. This is the book of Revelation. Now, 
There's a lot of questions between here and there. And probably a lot of pain and suffering we'll go through between here and there. But I do believe God has a plan and a purpose. And I do believe he's aware of what's going on in our lives. The Bible says even the hairs of your head are numbered. That can be encouraging or disturbing. <laughs> Saying God's aware, right? He's aware. And um, I believe he has a plan. Here's the second promise of God. The most often mentioned promise of God in the entire Bible. God is with me. God is with me. God doesn't promise that we won't face trouble and trial. All through the Bible, God comes at people in their darkest moment. And you know, he doesn't show up and say, hey, this is gonna be easy, no problem. You're gonna, everything's gonna be great. You know what he usually just says? I'll be with you. I'm like, great, but can you help me face the army that's coming at me? I'll be with you. That's kind of, you're on a need to know basis and that's sort of all you need to know. I'll be with you. And if God is with you, then God will see you through the current storm. God is with me. I believe that. And here's a third one. This world is not all there is. Listen, you can't read the New Testament of the Bible and the early followers of Jesus and conclude that they mainly thought their life was about this world. They were living for another time and another world. Many of them were persecuted for their faith. Many of them suffered and went through all kinds of difficulty and they were literally looking beyond this life for the life that is to come. You get at max 100 years here, but eternity there with God. I don't believe this world is all there is. In fact, when you look to the Bible, heaven is the hope of no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, maybe to make sense out of some of the crazy that we see happening all around us in the world. But the ultimate hope of heaven is that the very presence of God himself will be there in a unique and powerful way and we'll be connected to him. I believe God has my back. I believe he has your back. See, me believing that doesn't matter. Do you believe that? Because when you believe that, it will change your life. It'll change your life. Change how you look at situations. Change how you navigate life in the world. And for some of us, maybe this week, maybe we just need to do a couple things. Maybe every morning we just need to wake up and say to ourselves, I believe God loves me in Jesus Christ and I believe God's got my back. Just start the day there. My second challenge to you is this. Some of you, you watch the news a little bit. Some of you are absolute news junkies. And what I would say to you is, this week, spend some more time with God than you do watching the news. Just spend some more time. Open up version or the Bible app or a verse or something. Go for a walk without distraction and just pray out loud. Like whatever time you spend watching the news, and some of you, that's a lot. You're about to spend more time with God than you have in your whole life. But you spend more time in prayer, more time in his word. Here's what I'll tell you. You'll be better informed about things that really matter eternally and better ready to love and serve your community because God will fill your heart as you lean into him. Brenna Manning was an amazing follower of Jesus and kind of a mess. He um, was a professor, a teacher, an author. He wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel that is still probably one of my all-time favorite books on the grace of God. If you want to learn more about the grace of God, it's out there everywhere, audio book, Kindle, whatever. Uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning, fantastic. It became a classic, sold over a million copies. Um, I got to spend the morning with him 
years ago that was life-changing for me. And even at the end of this particular morning, uh, he, was, he was going to an AA meeting in this little town that we happened to be in. Uh, you know, he was, it was pretty fascinating to see behind the scenes his heart and love for people. But Britta Manning talks about a man who had been on a binge drinking run for three weeks in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, you know, he'd panhandled during the day enough to get enough money to buy vodka, drink all the vodka, and then wake up in an alcoholic fog and start over the next day. One particular morning he woke up, he had been, he had slept tucked into this little doorway on the street. And um, he woke up, there was vomit on his chest from the night before. He was sort of in a fog. He looked down and realized somebody had came by and stole his shoes in the middle of the night. So his feet are all swollen and, and he doesn't have shoes. And this mom's walking by and there's a little toddler with her. And the toddler sort of breaks free and runs towards this man who had been sleeping on the street. And as a mom would, she reaches out, she grabs the toddler. But then she also puts her hands in front of his eyes and says, don't look at that. That is pure filth. Pulled him along. And Brennan Manning later would write, 24 years ago, that filth was Brennan Manning. And he said, the God I've come to know loved me as much in that moment in my state of disgrace as he does today in my state of grace. For his compassion is never, never, never based on our performance it knows no shade of alteration or change. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah that says the bruised reed he will not crush. The smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he's led the truth of your life story to victory. And then Manning went on to ask a couple questions. One of them was simply this. Will you allow Jesus to come to you on his terms? And to come to you right where you're at. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He loves you even though you failed. He loves you even though you blew it. He loves you even though you may have lied. He loves you even though you ran. He loves you even though you gave in. He loves you even though you lashed out. He loves you even though you've looked for love everywhere else. He loves you even though you've never loved him in return. And will you let Jesus come to you as you are? He can love you back to hope. He can love you back to life. He can love you back to a new set of beliefs for a brighter future and a better day for you and for your family. Your beliefs either hold you back or they hold you up. When you believe God loves you, when you believe God's got your back, that belief can hold you up and allow you to become the person that God created you to be. In fact, some of you, you may be here today and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith in your life. I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to God to ask him to move and work in your life. So I wanna ask all of you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, just you can repeat simple prayer after me, either out loud or in your own heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. 
just make eye contact with me. Just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him. You're going to follow him in your life. God bless you guys. Thank you guys. Bless you. Thank you. Let's reach out to him. Thank you. Thank you, guys. God, we love you. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you today. I pray you'll fill them with your love. Remind them that you've got their back. Work and move and heal and restore. May they come to know you and grow in you more and more each day as they follow you. God, we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.